episode, what, 28? 30. 30? Is it 30? 30. 30 of Bastard Pastors. We're official. Uh, we are official. And we have a guest, Josh. I don't know your last name. Broughton. Broughton. Another Josh. Josh. Two and we get to see what he's brought in. Yeah. How many times you Oh my gosh, I bet oh, you never heard that I don't joke know. All through high school. All through high school. Um, so yeah, and Josh is as new to us as he will be to you, I'm sure. Yeah. Unless you're one of his friends listening to it, and then it's not true at all. All three oh. of you guys. <laughs> yes, and Did all three of our friends. Yes! <laughs> yes! A whole nine. Um... But we already had like the best conversation. I feel like robbed the podcast. We should we should just start recording as soon as people get in and see what we have. Then I gotta edit it. Yeah. (laughs) Then you gotta edit it, right? We don't edit. Oh, nice. Our friend Brad. I don't know if Brad's listening. Our friend Brad puts so much work in the movie podcast that Justin and Brad do. You mean the number one podcast podcast in Cincinnati? Cinema guys. Cinema guys. Like Brad, like, and at the time I remember thinking, what are you wasting all your time in this stupid podcast for, Brad? You got a job and a family. Like, why? Turns out they're the best podcast in the city because he obsesses and does all car alarm. <laughs> car alarm. Um, but I don't. So I'll I'll try to edit it. If there's cuss words, I'm too many cuss words. I, I got blasted by somebody from our congregation for having too many cuss words. Oh, Elsie? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, she's an older lady. She's not comfortable. But I, I'll be like, Elsie, I don't say any of them. I know you don't. It's Jason. <laughs> it's Jason. <laughs> it's all Jason. And she's not wrong. She's <laughs> no, 100% wrong. She's like, I think I heard you. I was like, did you, Elsie? so great. Did you? Um, so anyway, I don't put a ton of editing into this, and I should. Monty yelled at me the other day because the I don't put enough compression on it. Oh. What else? Gotta make the voice sound good, man. That's right. We should all. Brad, the one we have, we all have our own headphones and like microphones. So so different. We do this in my in my office in my house. This room is actually better. Like we did the one at Rotano's church last week. It was a bad. It wasn't as good because it was a big room. It echoed so much. This room is so dead that it actually works okay. So Josh, uh, all I know about you is that you are a church planner. I'm I'm gonna go through everything I know about you. Okay. You're a church planner. You work at Starfire. I do. I you do. just started working there, right? I did, about two weeks ago. Uh, and I'll oh, be wow. there. I'll start working there on the 25th. Congratulations. Um, and you planted a church in Lebanon. Yep. Yep. Called the Church Project. Church Project, but yeah. Why? Uh, oh. I'm speaking. No, no. I'm just you know, people do this all the time. We're legend community churches. Like, legends? Yeah. I'm like, legend. No. Like, legend. They the don't church hear. Church Projects? No. <laughs> so, uh, hold on. Before we go any further, what, what's the name, what's the reason behind that name? Church Project. Okay, so, um, Church Project actually started in Houston, Texas. Oh, oh so you're part of something yeah, else? Yeah, part of part of Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. A project, maybe, for yeah, the church. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, by a guy named Jason Shepard, and um, we were... I was a youth guy in a, in a church and felt like God was calling me to something else. Uh, and we just decided I had been in ministry for a decade and hadn't visited a church like in over a decade. And so we stepped down from the position that we were in before we moved up to Cincinnati and just started visiting churches. And uh, we kind of went the whole gamut and, and ex- had some really good and bad experiences. And we walked in a church project and it was the first time in my adult life, I went, you know what, I'll quit what I'm doing, I'll just go to this church. Like, I just really believed and loved the model, was really um, really drawn into the concept and the simplicity of it. And through just uh, providence, if you want to use the church words, right, uh, met Jason, and we, we were already moving up here. And I called him one day, and I'm like, hey, man, I really like what you're trying to do. Is, uh, is there any way that you can give me coaching on that, disciple me, I don't know, send me a, a handout, a PDF, something? And he goes, well, let's talk about what it would look like for you to be in the network 
And so through that, got connected with them. Um, How many church so, projects are there? So uh, there's two in the Houston area now. There's two in Colorado, one in Dallas, and then we're the only ones in the Midwest. Mm. And everybody goes like, how'd you get to Cincinnati? It's Jesus's fault. I have mm-hmm. no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no connection here, no family, no friends, and never had Skyline Chili, none of that stuff. Is Lebanon and so, Cincinnati? Oh, yeah, I'm, uh, well, well, I'm not so being that, that, funny, no, no, That's what I was getting to. So we started out in like the Blue Ash area. Okay. And uh, we we bounced around a couple of different spaces, some because just the space wasn't working out, some because of um, we were meeting at nights, and that was the worst. Yep. Um, oh, for yeah. those of you listening who do church at night, God bless you, but it's the worst. I don't know how you do we, won't, we, won't, we have too many kids. Yeah. We won't do it. We, we, lose, we would lose 90% of our congregation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I hated it, and I'm, I'm like... If you can't see me because this is audio, but like I'm not the athletic guy. But I would have uh, guessed that. Well, thanks. I look like I've lifted a couple of air weights <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah, no, I would have <laughs> guessed that. But uh, but I I enjoy watching you know sports. Um, and it, I just found myself going like I have to preach tonight, but like the Bengals are playing. This is really. <laughs> Jesus, is it okay for me to preach a shorter sermon? You know, yeah. I mean, like, Did you like horrible. the Bengals before you came to Cincinnati? Uh, no, but um, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of just like, don't say, just being, don't say being, Pittsburgh. Oh no, 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 no! Jason, no. Like, no, no, no. stop this! I'll turn the right podcast off right now, and you can leave my house. Pause for Stacey. <laughs> I was like, in my head, like, please don't say it. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird. Yeah, I'm in a functioning society. Where was I at? Oh, I went to Africa this summer. I was in Africa for two weeks. I get there the first three days, I'm by myself. My friends are going to meet me there, but I'm by myself for three days, which I really enjoyed. Sitting in my hotel, like, courtyard bar, having a beer, and an American walks in. I was like, oh, somebody I can talk to, because I don't speak any Swahili at all. Woman walks in, sits down, takes off her jacket. She's wearing a Steeler shirt. I'm like, well, we're done. Oh, that's <laughs> it. I'm out. I'm out. I'd rather go try to learn I'll go, I'll go learn Swahili before I speak to this Steelers fan. Yeah, so I grew up in Louisiana, and you had a choice between being a Tiger fan or a Saints fan, and both of them were atrocious at the time. And so uh, my family has always been They like, have two football teams? Well, uh, LSU is college. college, yeah. Oh, okay. College so, football is as big as pro football in the South. Oh, it's, it. it's, yeah. Uh, high school football. High school is Cincinnati's. Is that's why it's one of the ways that Cincinnati's a very southern city. Right. Yeah. Well, and I don't get it. Like uh, we have our oldest is at Walnut now, and uh, some people were like, "Hey, are you going to the game tonight?" I was like, "Well, I'm dropping my son off at the game <laughs> to <laughs> hang out with his friends." Are we? Are parents supposed to go? I was like, "Are yeah. we supposed? Is there something going on?" They're like, "No, we're just gonna hang out and watch the game." I'm like. It's high school kids. Like, why would you want to do that? Like, because where I'm from, I'm from the South, but like, not that kind of South. And uh, no one went. Yeah, unless your kid was playing was the yeah. only reason you'd even go to an adult going to a game. It was for teenagers. Right. It was Virginia Beach. And we didn't have no professional teams within a five hour radius. Yeah. So. It, it Just crazy. So anyways, um, I, I, I grew up a, an LSU fan, still am. I, I bleed purple and gold. Uh, but as far as pro teams, I followed the Texans for a long time. But when we moved up here, I mean, this sounds really horrible. All the real Bengal fans are going to say I'm, I'm a fair weather. But I live in the city. I want to I want to be a part of the city. Yeah. I want to be a part hey, of the region. Me. And so, like, I, right. I I would consider myself a, a Bengals fan. I root for them. Um, I, can I talk, like that you talk. have to have, a, like, a, a yeah. narrative behind it. Yeah. All right, can I say this? Right. Say the, 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 the difference is, as an outsider, is you root for them. Bengals fans, as insiders, yeah. know they're going to lose. 
I'm right now. I'm mad at this team. Now your brother, your brother's like this year. Every every year, has he ever been right? Has he ever in his life? But he never was like with the Reds and with the Reds and the Bengals. Your brother's like this year. We're doing it. He makes me believe me all the time. And I don't know why you can't learn from this. He makes me believe me. Always like man. My friend Michael said they were. Michael Straightface told you that McGregor was going to win that fight, and you and he made it. He made a good case. History should tell you he has never been right. He's like if you were forty and going against twenty. Year old, wouldn't you? I was like, yeah, he's no, probably the right. dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and how you know he's lying is ask him to bet money on it. Oh, ask him he's willing to put money on it. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, he always convinces me because uh, I'll be like talking to other people, like, I heard the Bengals they have a really good season. They're like, well, who are you talking to? <laughs> Michael, this guy who knows things. <laughs> they're professionals, they're paid, of course, they're gonna be good. Right? We, did our, we did our church fantasy football draft last night. If Michael didn't show up at the bar, we were drafting at, and everybody, like, as soon as his turn comes, he goes, Who's the next Bengal? and he drafted him. So he drafted, he drafted Andy Dalton as the second quarterback in our draft in the second round. And we were like, what? Tom Brady's still on the board. And I texted him. He's like, I'm a homer. Leave me alone. They're going to be good. They're going to be good. It's going to happen. It is true. All right. So church project. I didn't realize it was a, a group. Yeah, I'm yeah. fascinated by this church, this young church. Develop. I'm Presbyterian growing up. Yeah. I'm fascinated by all of my non-denominational friends who won't join denomination, but they're all joining networks. Which are the same damn thing. That may be a little less theologically minded, or maybe a little, maybe I don't know, a little less rigid. Hard, like yeah, some of actually nine is really hard. Um, it's been interesting to watch the. We all need the form that the, the some of the services the denomination provided, like yeah. the denominational structure, which supported especially the Protestant Church for five hundred years, is crumbling right now. Yeah, yeah. But what we want is what it seems like there's a bunch of us that are trying very much to salvage what's when, good out of that and do. And that being said, that. we're looking at a network right now. Too, yeah, absolutely. We're like we started by ourselves, never had anyone, and we're like, I'm tired of being alone. Man, <laughs> I need this, Hold on, this goes to this next thing I was gonna say to you. What when I the first conversation I had with him was with uh, Dustin and Terry Lee, who was on our podcast. Yeah. All these other pastors. And they all start having this inside conversation about church planning in Cincinnati, about this church planning guru who they all know and talk to you. Like, oh, he's crazy. And I'm like, I don't know any of these things. We're at church <laughs> planning totally Cincinnati. Awesome. No one, awesome. There's people and there's things in Cincinnati that all church planners know except for us. Because <laughs> that this is how this, years. No, we've been going for 10 years. This is wow. uh, this is where I feel like, yeah, this we don't know anyone or anything, which is why we It's not healthy. Right, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's we got sad. really isolated as a tr- as, as just a pastor. Well, and uh, that Christ the King and Missy O'Day, who I hear they hate each other now. Um, they had a network for Climates a while. On the internet. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> they 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 stopped inviting. Uh, they, they stopped inviting us. It's, it's, it's on TMZ now. They stopped inviting. They stopped inviting. Oh. So, I mean, it was my it was fault. One, it was not your fault. So here's <laughs> the deal. I feel like I don't have many like giftedness, but the one thing I do, I feel like I can hear something. Be like, okay, that doesn't. I don't think that's right. But I don't know how to explain why it's not right. I just feel it. Yeah. Jason has the ability to explain why anything he wants to be not right. <laughs> nice. So there was, they were there, and they said, it's just this odd thing. Because I, I guess it was for teaching, and I was like, I thought it was just kind of network and kind of be like, hey, guys, this is hard. It sucks, too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's all hang out. Uh, but it was, so I was like, all right, we're going to learn something. So they had, like, their, a worship guy up there, and he's like... Someone asked a question, do you let like non-Christians lead or whatever? I was like, is this 1994? We're still <laughs> this question. Right. And uh, and so the guy was like, I'll tell you what right now. They can play instruments, but none of them get a microphone because they are not allowed to sing the songs because that would be preaching a false gospel. And I was like, 
that sounds really odd. <laughs> and then they quote some verse about how only the gospel can be said by a spoken. There's no other way the gospel can communicate other than spoken. And I'm like, and I start to ask, like, is that right? <laughs> and I look like at Jason, like, no. And then he gets in a thing, I'm in. and they never ask us I back again. I just did a search in my Google Bible, and I can't find that verse. What's translation they never, they never... But they were, so, they were so conflictual. Like, they really were in... They were at the height of, like, the... like. The Dreskel sort of style church where like conflict was good and they really felt they really acted at least like it was right. their job to fix the church. Like they were yeah. modern day Apostle Pauls and they were out to call out heresy and those kind of stuff. Well, and every week it was every time we'd meet it was like, all right, here's how to be better dads and better husbands. And like, I get that a lot of people need that. It's like, can we talk about something else now? Well, like, and, and I also felt like so I we, think were, I told you that we were like 34, 35, and these guys were like 22, 23, and I'm in seminary and I'm like, we aren't happy. Did I tell you that this. whole story already? I don't know. Okay. But we aren't hacks at this, and I feel like we're getting dismissed like we just play church. We've yeah. done the thing that you were just planning to do. Yeah. I so mean, we could, great. Not, no, we're not great. That's why, <laughs> we're, there. That's why yeah. we're there to learn, man, but we're not all yeah. dummies. Part of the problem with all of that, and I, I think this is something that I've noticed within the, the realm of like non-churched people. I've tried over the past few years to, to detox from like churchiness and to not be... Not to have my circle of friends just be people who are, if one use language of saved or go to church or attend church, because a lot of the things that we argue about, a lot of things that we we look at, a lot of things that we're, that we have these kind of conversations about, people just don't care about outside of the church. All and so we're having these insular conversations right. about stuff that's nonsensical. Right. Because the reality is, like the people that are outside of the church are like, yeah, you guys hate each other and fight like we do. Why right. do I want to come to your organization? Right. If I want to fight, I'll go to work. You know. And, and then if you even bring them into the conversation, like, oh, my God, I went to this, you know, church planners meeting. We discussed whether lost people can sing. And they're like, well, do they have voices? Can I, can I keep pitch? You know, like, I mean, there, there's just and I know yeah. some of that is natural because of the work that we do. But it just seems crazy. To oh, me. and well, that's been our biggest experience that our non-Christians don't crap about any of that stuff. No, like, they don't even crap, they don't crap about most of the theology. They're just like, usually they come when they're broken. The world's broken, or they're looking for something, or they're like, "Hey, they've you helped us move, and that's really cool. Maybe there's something here." Like, they don't yeah, so care. I, I, I do community theater, and this is a great. This is a great. Community I do community theater. Can we talk yes. about this? I don't think so. Oh um, man, so, you know that I have just been. Me and Dustin are in the murder mystery troupe. Oh <laughs> doing really? Improv. That's, that's awesome. You didn't know this? No, I have to go see that. So I, yeah, I got. I, I did. I did theater uh, in high school, early college, and. Um, I was like, well, I think God wants me to lay this down while I get in, in, back into the church and do ministry. I felt called to ministry. Uh, and I, I think for a season I needed that. But when we moved to Cincinnati, I realized, like, all I do is hang out with pastors. And all I do is talk to pastors or sit in my basement and read scripture. Like, my life is pretty dull and boring mm. and not fulfilling. What could, I, what could I go do? And I was like, one day I was talking with my wife and some friends of mine. I'm like, man, I really miss doing theater. And they're like, you should go do a show. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I should. So I just went and auditioned. I got cast. Didn't expect to get cast. I was in, uh, this was about two, three years ago, in a in bus stop at uh, Marymount uh, Theater. Cool. And uh, so I played this rough and tough cowboy, which is hilarious. Ew, can because you do it right? We'll no. Do, no. A <laughs> do a line. No. No, 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 no. Howdy, partner. Right. Like that. <laughs> right. That was so mine. And yeah, insane. That's why I'm not paid. Um, but at the, we're, we're done with the show. 
And uh, I'm standing around in the lobby, and they, the people in the cast, I do not walk in and I'm like, hey guys, I'm a pastor. Like, I don't tell anybody what I do. If I get asked, I'm not going to lie. But sure. one of the reasons I like that I work at Starfire now is like, I work at Starfire. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I do this churching on the side. And all, yeah, that's all the my, greatest line. All, oh, I do this. Oh, yeah, I also yeah, do this. All my, that is my, that is my all life. All three friends of mine are now defriending me on Facebook because I'm not <laughs> religious enough. But anyways. You're not who we thought you were. I know. Man. You don't love Jesus. But I, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the show. It's over. And this guy walks up to me. I don't know him from anybody. And in my bio, I put that I was the pastor of Church Project Cincinnati because they were like, you know, tell people what you do. And he comes up to me and I'm standing around the rest of the cast. Just this whole plethora of people from all these kind of backgrounds. And he goes, Josh, do you find it hard to do theater? I'm like, nah, man, this has been great. I've loved getting back in this. He goes, but you have to hang out with, like, these people. <laughs> I was like, who are you talking about? Because you're the weird one in this conversation. Right, right. And this this friend of mine was like, you know, it's really nice. He, did, he didn't come in here beating us over the head with the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't. Because I had this... Perception that, that, like, most of us don't do <clears throat> right, right. Yeah. But I, it really hit me then that uh, I have friends and I have people in my life who feel like everything that I do has to be this intentional, evangelical, gotta tell yep. people about yep. Jesus. And I found that if I live my life in a manner that is different, whatever that different is, whether it's being kind or loving or gracious or even. Humble, which is a very humble thing to say, right? I try to be humble, um, right? But in doing that and in being a part of that, um, people see Jesus. And so I'm, I'm intentional when people are like, hey, you're a nice guy. Man, I'm really not a nice guy, but Jesus is really cool, right? But I, I got into theater because I needed to detox myself from church world. Mm-hmm. And it's been absolutely oh, wonderful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, so the, lie, the lie we've told ourselves for 50 years is that the world is hate, hates us. Yeah. The world doesn't want us around. So we better pull back. We yeah. better retreat. And, and it just gears us to be assholes. Yeah. And then when we find out, if you just go out and hang out like you would with all your other friends, with all your church friends in the theater, and just be a normal person, people are going to oh, you're a pastor. Yeah. Cool. And then they're going to go back to the normal conversation and then whatever. Like It's been amazingly, the, when we planted here in Oakley, the only judgment we got the only judgment we've ever gotten has been from other Christians. Non Christians are non Christians are down all the yeah. time. Even if they don't want anything to do with Jesus, it's like, oh cool, you guys are nice guys. Yeah. Well and I have some of you in my life that are not Christians who tell me all the time they're like, Well, you're not a real Christian. I was like, yeah. No, I am I am, I promise. <laughs> you're just you only hate the really the stupid ones. Right. Um, yeah, it it not I think it's trained us to be that way. Mm-hmm. Right? We've created this culture and I don't know that it's I think in a lot, a lot of ways, it's still there. I think a lot of churches that want to create their, everything's in a building. So there's coffee shops and restaurants and bookstores, all that stuff as a way of protecting people from, from, you know, sin and all those scary things. But the reality is like our calling is to not be in those spaces, to not be safe, to not be hanging around just each other because we become ignorant, right? And we can create false perceptions of people and who they are and what they think. And it takes work to be in people's lives. Well, and that wasn't an early church thing either. That's why it was so important when we do get together, how we act because, hey, we don't get to do this very often. Maybe once a week, maybe. Uh, Right. So because the rest of the time we're out. Fishing or doing that? Living life, right? I wish we were still fishing for... <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, but so that's... much easier. 
Yeah, and and so you've got these different veins of, of Christianity now that some are that they only focus on evangelism. So like our whole job is to tell people about Jesus and some who focus heavily on discipleship and our job is to train and equip and things like that. And I, I've just been convinced over the past few years that you got a lot, you got a vast amount of people who have a whole lot of knowledge and no way of using it. Right. So I could, I can quote scripture. I can tell you what Jesus says, but I don't, I have anybody in my life who that matters to. Right. <laughs> right. Because if you're talking with people who already know the verses or already know the passages, it's like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to love people. Oh yeah. Jesus did say that. Cool. Let's go home. Yeah. Right. But when you're talking with people who don't have any connection with Jesus or they've only heard of Jesus or, you know, their examples of Jesus are televangelist, then you've got a lot of work to do to, to detox and to right. work through and, um, well, just and I, <clears throat> I always say it's earned. Like, yeah, sure. I just treat people however you know. I hang, we hang out with a lot of people, and eventually something will happen. They'll be like, okay, can you talk to me about that? And I'll be like, yeah. I always am like, yeah, do you really want me to talk about that? And well, then they, they, they. I feel like they always come to me, especially my non-Christian friends. They'll just be like, oh well, okay, I need your help on this, and you should have an answer. I'm like, oh okay, fine. Well, it's one of the things I picked up from Roman Catholic theology is. The person is valuable. Yeah, absolutely. The person doesn't have absolutely. to be a Christian to be valuable. And for you to say, I'm only going to invest in you or I'm only going to spend time with you or I'm only going to find value in you if you're a follower of Jesus, you've you've damaged the, yeah. the, or the image of God. Or I'm only doing this so that you can yeah. become Yeah, and so that. the person exists and has that's value. Exactly. Or, yeah, that, that's the word. It's not really loving someone. Imagine if someone said to us, like, hey, I want to be your friend because I care about you and who you are. And then when they find out you won't buy their product, they're like, yeah, I got to go. That happened to me. It's every, <laughs> it's every MLM person. <laughs> no, it's a, uh, I can't, I don't want to say his name. I don't think he'd ever listen to this, but there's a guy who came into Red Tree <laughs> and uh, was, oh, I'm a pastor. I used to be. I was like, oh, cool, man. We chat, chat. And he's like, hey, you want to get together uh, and talk sometime? I was like, oh, yeah, sure, man. So we set up some time. We met. And we were talking for like an hour. And I was like, oh, this is a pleasant conversation. He knew people I knew, blah, blah. I didn't know why we were talking. I just thought, okay, maybe this guy just needed to talk because he hadn't talked to, he's in the business world now. And he's like, well, hey, you know, the reason for this meeting. And then, and then he goes into this financial, like, organ, I don't know, financial thing, like, speech. And I go, oh, is this why you wanted to have lunch? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, I would see if your church is interested because we do things for churches and we can come and set up. And I was like, Oh, so you never wanted to be my friend. You just wanted me. And, like, he still calls me and emails me all the time. I'm like, dude, you juked me. I'm not into this, man. But, uh, yeah, I get so Damn mad. Right? Ever. But pastors do that. So I, I got into church planning. and That's why we suck at it. Yeah, right. really suck at oh, it. I'm so They're like, hey, aren't you supposed to tell me about Jesus? It's been, like, four years. I'm <laughs> <laughs> waiting for the right time. But I had, I had you ain't ready. so, many, you ain't so ready. many times. I know you. You can't do it. I got into church planning, and, and people would, you know, the second you set up a website, people can Google and find you. And so I'd get these emails and uh, phone calls from guys who were like, hey, I see that you're a local pastor. Let's meet up. I'm a local pastor. And the conversations always went in the same vein. It was like, hi, hi, what's the name of your church? Oh, that's the name of my church. Well, that's an odd name. Well, let me explain to you why we do what we do. Okay, well, that's still kind of odd. Okay. And then it always got around to how long have you been here? What? How healthy is your group? Are you guys doing good? And that was like, how how, how many people do you have coming is what they want to know. Well, how many inches? We always call peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> how many inches you got right now? Well, you, got, you, guys, you, guys, you guys said it, right? Just whip it out and go, hey, look, this <laughs> is who I am. Right? 
I, I just got so tired of, like, you don't care about me. You want to make sure I'm not a threat. I've literally had other pastors visit our church. And um, I, walk, I walk up to <laughs> them. pastor's and I, email to call. I, never, I walk never. up to the, and I, I don't know who they are. And the guy's like, and I'm like, hey, what, thanks for visiting. And nice to meet you. And they're like, oh, I'm just a local pastor. Just wanted to see what you guys are doing. I'm like, yeah. we're not scary. We're not there's, stealing your phone. Well, there's been a couple of times. There has been a couple of times a couple of people from other churches have been like, oh, I'll come check you out. And I'm like, I don't need you to come check us out. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't really care about me. your opinion. I don't. I don't need your praise or whatever else you want to do. Like, I don't know why. And we're not doing this for you. You're never going to come back again. Right. Like, wh- why? Don't just, waste my time. You know, it's not, it's not that. I, don't, I feel bad saying that. I was like, cool. But I, I, I hate that, like, check you out. Like, well, I don't know. What does that even mean, man? Right. <laughs> like, you're not going to get half the references what? because it's pretty, in, it, you know, it's pretty geared towards the people who are there. Can I talk about this on vacation last week? There's just a mismatch when you treat the church like a product because it can't be. Right. It's not a business. Now, now, could we learn things from the business world? Sure. Can we take advantage of the fact that the, the state wants to give us taxes? After? Sure, man. Take take advantage of whatever's laid in front of you. But at the end of the day, the church cannot be and never will be a business. And so every time you're trying to shove that round peg into a square hole, there's a mismatch. Right. Or, and, or and Francis got, Chan, his thing was, hey, I we were awesome when we were business. When we started becoming about Jesus, we shrunk and people got mad and I got fired. Right. <laughs> and then, cool. Like, just know Isn't what you're that doing. ironic? Not that I love Francis Chan, but I like him that sure day. Sure you do. Everybody loves Francis Chan. He's I don't know, man. His Rob Bell, his, his Rob Bell book was the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> it was. Like, that it was uh, just Forgotten poor, God? It was poorly written. Like It was 100 pages. I felt like he wrote it in a coffee shop. Grab. It he was He starts a with a premise grab. that he then doesn't even back up. Because his premise is, Rob Bell's written this book. And the whole book is about Rob Bell. I'm like, this is a blog. This is not a book. And uh, every footnote was every footnote. Bell says, 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 and I'm like, okay, we get it. I don't care because I like Francis Chan. Like we said, but his his premise was this. Okay, it kind of fits what we were saying. He, his premise was, I'm sitting here right now in a Starbucks typing this out. He doesn't even support local coffee for one. Way uh, to go. And then uh, and he's like, there are people walking past me right now who are going to go to hell. And they're going to burn there. And if they read a book like Rob Bell's, they're never going to learn. Which is not true. He, I don't even think he read the book. Because right. uh, Rob Bell doesn't say anything. That's his thing. The, the I book, say nothing. Book is <laughs> not a bunch of questions. He doesn't say anything. And like, uh, and so he's like, then they're never going to hear. But I'm like, but you're still sitting there not typing on your computer, you didn't not talking to any of them. <laughs> like, that's the thing. So you don't believe it either. You don't believe it either, or now that makes you an asshole say, because say you don't you, care. Say what you want about Westboro Baptist, they believe it. They're honest. They are <laughs> they honest. They're it. wrong, but they're honest and they act out of their honesty. What a wonderful jump you just made, right? <laughs> but you've got Rob we Bell. We just one friend's channel. Rob Bell, who's like, everybody gets in. Jesus loves all people to well, Westboro Baptist. But there's a great, there's a great, um, there's a great story out of the French Revolution where a guy's about to be executed. And the priest, who's the priest, is the friend of the aristocratic class in the French Revolution, right? The priests are clearly on the side of the aristocrats, and they're executing people. And the priest stands before his man and says, "Do you want to repent before we chop your head off? Because you're going to hell." And the priest, the the guy, looks at him and goes, "You don't believe a word of that. If you believed that any of us were going to hell, you would crawl through the gutters on broken through broken glass on your hands and knees to tell every single one of us to prevent us from that hell. And you live in a palace eating the best food. You, you don't believe a word of it, so why should I? And it's it's just such a great story because if you believed in that particular way, and I I grew up in I sit in a sort of I grew up in a personal fear of it. 
But I sit in this sort of middle ground, like uh, we were talking today. I do end up thinking that there is some sort of judgment and separation in the classes or in the groups. There's a sheep and a goats, but I don't know how, like, because the Bible's so vague about it, and because you're not, none of us are people of judgment. The Bible was written towards people that, of not uh, judgment. You saw that Teller, Penn and Teller, do you know what Penn and Teller is? Oh, yeah. You saw, you've seen that video that was, yeah. like, popular for a while? Like, it's that premise, I think, as I grew up in that, and that's where I had to come to. I was like, I don't act like people are, you know, all going to hell everywhere I know. The, I do act like they're already there, and then I yell at them a lot about it. Nice. I'm just the painful thing about, like, those kind of conversations is, so if, I think we miss, if we take the Bible seriously, and I know, when we say that people are like, oh, where do you stand on the Bible? Are you predestination, free will, all that good stuff. But um, nobody was no, no one ever like, single, no, they're, they're just doing that. Tyler knows. Tyler, that's it. Tyler, like one of my guys, are just like, what? <laughs> now he's good. Finally, oh, said the finally the podcast. But uh, regardless of whether hell is is eternal destruction and in chaos and pain or it's annihilation. I think Scripture does teach us that the only hope and joy we have in this earth right now is because God's presence is here. So it's hard for me to even fathom a place apart from God where there is no presence of God. Right. So like, just even if I mean, even if there wasn't complete destruction for God to say like, "You don't get to play with me anymore. My presence is gone." I mean, that would be utter despair right, right, right. Um, yeah. well I mean and that was the thing you know back to French Chan's book is like the whole time like you didn't like he literally that's, it's what made me actually disappointed in him as a as a writer or a thinker I was like well you didn't read this book because if you read Love Wins the only premise he makes is it seems like the Bible talks about love a lot and it seems like it talks about this hell thing not very much what he, you know, a few times here and there he's like doesn't it seem like we should probably focus more on the love instead of trying to send everyone to hell who disagrees yeah. with that? That's a great premise. And that's all the book said. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever else he says. And, and I'm sorry if you don't have the ability to read a book and say, oh, man, I love what this said here. I don't really care for yeah, that there. Doesn't Bell, is part of the premise that, that hell is actually described, like Jesus is trying to say, if you follow the narrow road, right, you're living on a path now where the kingdom of God is here and there's joy and there's hope here. Whereas if you're the on the wide road, earth is hell. I mean, it's like, following, uh, it's following C.S. Lewis. Yeah, is, I is think that, what not like uh, who's uh, Bark and Polo, not to yeah. that degree. Like Bark and Polo's way in. Hey, hell is right here on Earth right now. Where right. some of us are living in it, some of us aren't. Like I don't think Bell says that because he's more like Richard War, where he would say um, he would be more into the Great Divorce. Yeah. So that yeah. there is a hell, but once we're maybe you can live in it now, but once it's there, it's just this. It's just nothing. It's harder, harder to come back from it. It's not yeah. uh, you or uh, or I think we'd even say you choose it. Like well, uh, yeah. you've chosen it well, that, over and over again. Because that, and that that would be anti rights thing. Anti rights thing is that sin is dehumanizing, and the more you sin, the more dehuman you become. That it breaks the image of God. And the more and more sin, the less and less human you become until you just get to something that we don't know how to talk about anymore. You don't you don't make sense in the way we think about the world anymore. You you become something other. So, so part of the problem with um, preaching, teaching, uh, in a, as pastors, right, is that uh, we, we've created systems, and I, and I don't know if it's a destruction of it now or if it's just an, we're observing it more, but there's been this power placement where I, I hold this, this yeah. key, this Gnostic, this, this other knowledge that you don't have. And so part of what I think pastors do is they puppet this idea of hell in a way that they hold mm. power over people mm. rather than saying, all right, part of the part of faith is a journey. 
And we may not all agree on all the details, but we do see Jesus calling us to a different way of life. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Let's discuss hell. Let's discuss this idea of what it means to follow Jesus. But let's be let's have a space where we all don't have to agree. Yeah, right. Because right? no, totally. we can't take away the fact that Jesus says, "Follow me." Or we can't right. take away the fact that Jesus calls us to something else. Oh yeah, no, so, totally. Because well, that's, that's my battle cry: is that we don't we don't believe that the way of Jesus is better <laughs> most of the time. Because that's where we get hemmed up. Yeah. The question of whether or not the way of Jesus is better comes out. And what we've said is, as a church is our primary doctrine is the resurrection. Oh, yeah. If you believe in the resurrection, you are on the side of Jesus, right? The resurrection implies things, but you're on the side. Now, if you come to me and be like, I believe in a rapture, I think you're crazy as hell. But that's fine. You can be crazy as hell and be on this side, on this side right? I believe women can't be in ministry. Cool. I think you're wrong. But we could talk about that because you're underneath the certain thing right. of Team Jesus. Yeah. Whereas that's, that seems to be the line that, that especially right. late New Testament, like James, John, and Paul are driving. Yeah. There's the resurrection, right. and that's the dividing line. The irony is, right now for us in our church, I think, none of that stuff matters. I would even say some of the, uh, like, whether, yo, it's it's okay to be gay or not in church matters. None of that matters. The only line that's being drawn in our church right now that we have to do with is this Democratic-Republican line. Uh, that's where, because my thing isn't where you disagree, it's where do people feel isolated because they disagree, and for the most part, in our church, you can think whatever, like, there's, we have set up a set, well, you know, there's people kind of being like, oh, hey, you said that, I didn't really agree with that, but that's cool, it's fine, I love that, I'm like, oh, that's, okay, you can agree with that, that's totally fine, and I like that they can talk to us that way, but right now, the polarizing thing in our world is, uh, you know, if you were a Trump supporter, if you are a Trump supporter, or if you're a, you know, this sort of thinker on this political, and I don't know how to fight that battle because I don't know anything about politics. He knows a lot. But, uh, and so that's where I'm like, oh, people, are people feeling isolated because of that? And I hear people talking like, oh, yeah, they are. And uh, it's tough, man. That's a so tough one. So politics has replaced the pulpit in a lot of ways in America. Politics has become the great hope of America. Sure. And so one of the things, um, Interesting. I, um, I read a book, I'm going to, since we didn't, we don't have notes here. This is where it's dangerous. It's called bad religion. No one's fact checking. Oh, yeah. oh I, I think I've. Yeah. Heard, I but think it's I've written heard by an, uh, a former New York Times author mm-hmm. or something. Um, you guys can look it up and put it down in the descriptions below, right? <laughs> but uh, and the podcasters, you just got way more than But the guy's premise is that part of the problem in America is not a, a lack of religion, which the church right. would say not enough people are believers. It is too much and one of the areas it's become too much is that at some point in our history we tied our theology to our politics and so so if you are conservative whatever that means then people assume that you are a republican or you lean republican and hate gay people you hate women who've had abortions you don't care about the environment you want to carry really big guns and shoot stuff right? right i mean there's all these premises based off of the fact that the church tied its hands and its finances yeah. around politics right and then on the you know then you have the other gamut where if you're more free thinker more progressive you have to be right. liberal or a leftist or whatever yeah. the language is the problem is the religion should never be in the streets of politics right it should inform how i vote but the second that the church says i'm going to put money into this to help get this done i think I think we're ruining the work of the church. And I've said this before. This is probably crazy. But if the church would do the things that we know Jesus told us to do, like take care of the poor, the hungry, the sick, the disenfranchised, we wouldn't need government to have programs to take care of people. 
right? That's how Israel works for the most part with the Catholic yeah. churches. It's an interesting conundrum because I there's this total backlash where we've said we're not doing what our parents did, right? Right. The religious right is dead. Really, as a political entity, Trump gets elected is is sign one that the religious right is dead. Trump doesn't stand a chance. He ran like the last eight presidential elections and could never make it out of the first primary because there's no way conservative Christians would vote for him. He won this time because there is no religious right to speak up politically in America anymore. The, I got lost. The flip side of that is I think there is a religious left that's Ooh. developing as well. Sure. Where that wants to do the same thing. That wants to legislate. That wants to do these kind of things. And it's an interesting backlash. I I get stuck in this. I've got this like borderline revolutionary personality anyway. So anytime somebody's like, we're going to go burn it all down, I just automatically sign up. Like, Where are the matches? Let's, let's go. Let's go. And I don't give a second thought. And I have to like have a constant like check on my personality to say, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is my struggles that I really I'm, do want to burn it all and down. And I'm always more interested in how it affects what what all of it's doing to our kids right now. Because I think in some ways, so our church is probably represented by a lot of people who are more like liberal democratic is my guess i don't know uh but um my oldest son he made a joke that was funny but i was like oh very interesting that you would make that joke because so you know we try to make sure our children are never bigoted especially as we have three boys like how you treat women right you know we want to show hey how our president is treating women is horrible we don't talk about women that way my wife is very into independence and teaching them and he made a joke the other day, or it was right before he, he was in school, and they were all taking a vote on something. Um, and, you know, they wanted something, but they were the minority. But the rest of the class, him and his friends wanted something, the rest of the class got what they wanted. And he's like, oh, I guess we should go march about it now. <laughs> and I was wow. like, oh, relevant joke. Nice. It's very well-timed <laughs> and funny. But I was like, interesting that you would make that joke. What is that? What has everything he's been a part of or witnessing within our church group, which is a lot of his social group, what is that teaching him about? Is that is that bad? Or is that hold? Does he know now that there's awareness and there's marching, or does he see it as whiny? Does he see it? I'm, I was just real interested in that joke, or was he going for the joke because that's what I would do? Right. Uh, but anyways, that day I started thinking, oh, how does even our our church culture how is this affecting how he's going to view the world how he's going to see the world how he's going to vote one day when he's older or yeah so the question is what place does politics um have value in the pulpit and i don't think it does i I think calling people to to be a part or to consider being a part of the process right you know we are a part of the united states all these things have occurred so that we had the the freedom to to vote i encourage you to vote, but um, getting behind, I mean, they're trying to remove laws that would restrict churches from being able to say, like, you should vote for X candidate. I think that that's silly. I don't know where... I definitely think that's ridiculous. So I've got this the same time. Can I add? So literally, I don't know anything about politics. I'm trying. Jason, over the past 10 years, has warned me to where I am now thinking I should probably... There's a guy named Donald Trump. He's our president. Yeah, that's basically what I know. But here's the deal. So every now and then, it'll come up in one of my sermons. And I think people know, if it comes in my sermons, this is something that he's has said out of passion, not because he's actually had a thought. (laughs) But where I'm like... I don't talk about politics and on, on Sundays. I never have. But, like, if you were a person who at all is still signing up for a person who would represent and do these things, I can't understand how you're a person of faith. I've said that a couple times, which I think is not good for a lot of our people. But, I, but at the same time, like, I don't think we should be in politics, but this is a horrible, horrible human being. How could we ever... 
so the irony side of, with that the but... irony I'm gonna say this carefully because um, the irony of that statement is the difference between Donald Trump and most professional is that it's all aired well, well professional politicians is that Donald Trump has made his brand about he doesn't care and look I can say whatever I want whereas right. all the other politicians are trained and I know that that ignorance sometimes is bliss but it it's it's pretty fair to say all the other politicians, um, some have same thoughts, same ideals, oh, do the same types I of totally things. I totally agree and with so that. So that's why I don't. I think to say like, oh, you can't vote for him because he is X. You, you probably can't vote for anybody. Right. And I'm, I'm not saying that that. Right. I'm not, I'm not at all disillusioned to the idea that every Democratic person cares. You know. Uh, or every Republican cares about babies, or right. you know, I get they all. I'm sure you don't rise in that world without doing horrible things at some point to somebody, right. or lying, or right. something. That's just how the world works. But my thing is, and going back to my children, is there is never a president until this time I can remember that I would say, oh, he's on, I can't let my children hear what he has to say. That's a good word. Oh, I can't, oh, he's there, I don't want my children at all. Because even if they're lying through their teeth, Oh, okay. There's a there's a president. He's important. Listen, what he has to say. He's gonna give us a good speech or something like that. Like this. Oh, if the president's on, my children know. Okay, we're, we're not allowed to listen to that because I don't know what he's gonna say. Like that's horrible, right? Like and and I, we just never had that before. Even the worst ones, like they at least for our children to see a position of power as even if it's sugarcoated as oh man that there's there's good up there. There's good speeches and there's good. Oh, that's great. That's Aragon giving the speech before they go into the the, the black gates. You know, like. Right. right. Uh, but now it's like, and all and all the kids know. Like, uh, we had to, <laughs> my oldest son got in trouble, and he never gets in trouble ever, 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 ever. And he got in trouble because you know, all his friends were drawing pictures, and it was Donald Trump with penises on him, <laughs> like it's for hands and nose and stuff. And like, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's interesting because he doesn't do that kind of stuff. But everyone, all the children, like, this is their idea for the president. Oh, we can draw him with dicks on him. <laughs> like, wow. And well, so my it's interesting. It's just interesting. My attention, I would have probably taken the same line you did to say the church should just be divorced from politics. I'd probably have to go harder. Don't vote. Don't be part of it. Stay out. Yeah, I can really find that group that we should, like, buy land and all that. No, I'm not. We well, can dude, make our own clothes. Dude, I'm on, our, I'm on a community council. I'm on our school board. Yeah, yeah, I've I'm, ended up being a community activist without now, wanting to be. that um, does not sound horrible to me. <laughs> <laughs> my wife just got hives. She's like, no, <laughs> that nope. doesn't sound like the worst um, idea. But I, got, I really did get confronted by the prophetic nature of both the Old Testament and the Gospel calls us to direct confrontation with politics. Right. Yeah, like that the church, like, and I really do believe in the, the sort of the power of balancing forces. So I think that our culture tends to work well if there's a counterbalance. Not that either side is good. I need the two evil sides to fight against each other to keep each other in check. Um, Richard Rohr says being a Christian is being in politics because I've made a I've made a claim about the lordship of Jesus. At least in the first century, in the in the, in the gospel, in the Bible, any claim to Jesus' lordship is a denial of Caesar's lordship, which is inherently a political claim. Correct. And so that's that. My struggle well, is that the whole Gospel of Matthew was written as a political message. And yeah, um, and so you this, get into these, is... and so that's the balance that I try to strike. And especially because we've had this talk before. I we take we talk about how do you evaluate pastors? Like what's how what's the evaluation method, right? Of we should be because some, the three of us are three different people. How do you evaluate? How you them evaluate on the same pastors? Because it, and right. we're doing different. But I really think that there's sort of there's Jesus prophet, Jesus teacher, and Jesus as pastor. 
and those are sort of the roles that your your church needs to be fulfilling. I do one, Justin does another one. I'm pro- Justin's a better pastor than I'm ever going to be right. um, in terms of how he interacts with people and seeks out those kind of things. Um, I really like to teach. I really and somebody this is something somebody else commented I never come with. Somebody said you're the guy that's always yelling about shit. You're always going to be the prophet, right? You're always going to be the guy that's mad about whatever's wrong and calling it out. And so I, they, it's been it's been five years of me trying to find a healthy voice in that that I haven't found yet. Like, I don't know what the strive is on that or what the like the middle ground is. Where do I do this reasonably and well? Yeah, so I think that um, for church to be healthy, there should be a better understanding, if we're using the language of pastoring, of gifting, right? right? So understanding what are you good at, what are you not good at, how do we find people who are equipped and good at those things so that we can be as healthy as possible. But typically, the pastor wears the prophet, priest, and king helmet, yep. right? And you can't be all of those. Oh, you can't king. You can be king. Yeah, right, right. The idea the idea that the prophetic voice, this is what's wrong. You know, the priest I take care of, That's I nurture, true. I teach. The king, the one who's administrative and, and runs and rules. And rules is a bad word for church. But you know what I mean. Like there's, well, it's an appropriate word for a lot of right, churches. Right, right. So you... You've got guys who are really good administrators but can't preach themselves out of a box, right? right. You've got guys who are really good at loving people uh, but really aren't strong in the, hey, we can't do this. we got to make these decisions. And, but we throw these people into the same role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have, to, I have to bring a message, deal with the backlash from the message, lead people to make decisions regardless of the message, and i got to love the people Ooh. if they don't like the message, Here's right? a question. Of the three, which is the least important? I don't you? know that... I don't. I, honestly, I think that's the problem with the American... Well, I always say the American church because I, I mean, my, my context in foreign countries has been, like, enclosed countries. No, I where, think that's apt. But it, from what I see, I don't know that there is a higher version. I think that we've placed it because we think in... In stair steps and first, second, and third. Mm. I think that if you have, you could have five people who are in leadership who all have these kind of abilities. And if the church is healthy, they would not look and say like, oh, you're more important. You're more important. Right. They would say they all serve vital roles. Now, I would say this. I do think that, you know, we, we see just in humanity, there has to be someone who's a head shepherd, someone who's leading, someone who, someone's got to hold, um, do you know the our ace. Story? I was about to say the trump card, but then we just oh, got. I can't the... say that anymore. I know I can't say it anymore. You ruined it. Dang it. Uh, do you know our story? Uh-uh. That we don't have that, oh, so cool. we're co-pastors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. the thing is, everyone has said exactly what you said, and and I get it because I think it's, I think for the most part, because of who pastors have tended to be very or been type forced a personality to be. or been forced to be, you but can't if, work with someone else. But if you guys work together, right, then it. As you've seen, because your church has been around for a while, right. it, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to set up the concept that we both are equal voices. Typically, even in churches with staff, um, there's there's the guy or the girl, depending right. on your denomination. Right. And, then the and then there's other people. And I yeah. saw that all the time as a, as a youth guy. Um, I would be right, asked... You're the peon. Yeah, I'd be asked mm-hmm. like to go and form a committee about whatever decision was made. And if they didn't like it, they're like, oh, we'll just go talk to the pastor. I'm like, okay, cool, right, <laughs> whatever. Uh, back in that time, I was like, no, I have a voice. Listen to me. You guys are jerks. <laughs> but if we if we could have systems to where we didn't think in terms of, like, th- there, this person has to be 
superior, but we are all in this together. Yeah. Um, that I think that's a that's the beauty of the church. So then you it frees the guy up who is just good at hospitality and loves people and wants to sit with the sick and be be in those spaces right. and help people move and all those kind of things. They get to run where they're gifted yeah. rather Dude, than... I'm serious. You should look into the co-pastoring route. So, I'm oh, serious. You have to have a lot of people in your church to have co-pastoring. <laughs> so, or my um, thing is you just have to be okay with there being gaps. Yeah, you just say sure. there's something that's not getting done um, here until somebody else steps up. The network something. we've been looking at, they, they we met a church. So we've never met any other co-pastors ever. Uh, until we met this network, and then apparently there was one with that four. Yeah, those four co-pastors. Like, and it and it really is like decisions get made slower because someone comes to me, I have to take it to Jason. Yeah. Jason and I decide something, and then we have to go and we talk to our leadership team. So things don't. You can't if you want something tomorrow. That's real hard. I mean, if it's it has to be really enough, important. If it's important enough, I feel like both of us are empowered yeah. or would trust the, the other. Thing one. is, you just don't have to have any. You have we to, no pride. You have to let go of all the pride. It's nobody. That's my thing. I'm better than I wanted that. Like you just can't do that. Nobody takes like so. I, I use my my typical wedding sermon. I always use Ephesians five with husbands or wives with your husbands, and um, people love to hate on that verse and dig on that verse. Nobody deals with like the three verses earlier where Paul says everyone should submit to everyone. Yeah, this idea of like hierarchical submit completely odd because the dude, the dude that's the model, washes feet and dies, right? The only model we've been given for leadership washes feet and dies, and none of my and none of my ministry classes, none of my like leadership classes, none of my leadership books are written by dudes who are dying or who are washing feet. Yeah, they talk about the guy with the whip cleansing the temple, right? Right. They don't, yeah. they, they don't talk about the dude who's like, hey, what's the best yeah. thing I can do for you before? I die for you. I'm gonna clean your feet like the right. lowest yeah. of the low. Yeah, that's our example for our leadership team. There's been a couple people come who probably would have been awesome administrators, and they, you know, blah blah. But in order to get on it, it's the people we look at the people who've been serving first. Like, oh, the people who've been washing feet. That's the people we need on. Yeah, team. it's um, it's difficult, right? And as as a dude, like most men want to be affirmed in in their ability and especially as pastors you want some some men thrive on wanting that kind of authority and i one of the things that's happened to me in the past three years is like i just i don't care anymore like there's a part of me that uh, i had someone last week they're like hey that thing you said was really good which happens about one every six months i was like yeah i stole that like yep and they looked they looked they, they looked at me they're like i'm serious like I, I, I study and I prepare and I pray and I want I want to bring messages that are God honoring but anything that's really good like I can't take credit for it and even if it is an original thought it's not really an original thought because it's been bathed in all of this right. other stuff right. that God has used to inform me and but the they looked back at me I'm like I'm serious like well, that's a until I heard him speak I did not care for him the who wrote purpose driven life what's his name oh Warren Warren. I was like, blah, 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 blah. and I heard him speak one time, and I was like, oh, he's not who I thought he would be. And his thing is, he's like, let me tell you right now, there is nothing original in that book. It, he's like, I have no idea, because it's so it's the it's second highest selling book in the yeah. world outside the Bible, because yeah. it's been translated into more things. And he's like, the only thing I can guess is that God ordained it somehow, Holy Spirit blessed it. I have no idea. He's like, it's all stuff that you've heard a thousand times, which I was like. Well, you were not the person I thought you were. This is cool. <laughs> well, I, was, I should probably read that book or something. I'm reading this book now that deals a lot with like how brains work and the, yeah. like how our brain works. And he went through and talked. He's talking about what we've contrived as like typical masculinity, is this age 
A-type driven personality that rises. He's like, the people that rise, they, 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 there's another study that came out that if you rise to the level of like CEO, like national politician, like that level of achievement, that type of personality, you're like 30% more likely to have um, psychopathic and sociopathic disorders because you have to view people as objects to step on to get to that level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this guy's point was we've taken masculinity and defined it We've defined it and then reacted against the word masculinity by referring to these 5% of the people which are which are psychopaths. It's not their fault. They don't have to be evil people, but they view people as objects, and that's how you get to that level. Right. That's great until, like you said, we've started to define that as this is what it means to be a leader in the church. You have to be essentially be a psychopath, right? You rise above people. You disconnect from relationship. You sit in an office. You mm -hmm. delve down. But 95% of us aren't that way. Right, nobody, everybody's, and even and even those of us who do get to that. Well, I mean, that's a great example of the church using the world's way to define things. We do the same thing with masculinity and stuff, like how crazy man is camps and stuff. So because <laughs> I'm serious, Sorry. you're using something else to define what men should be, and there are some men who are awesome dudes who get overlooked because they're not swinging an axe. Or... Oh my God! So. I'll come back to my other thought, but I, I've, I was a part of churches. They're like, we got to do men's retreats. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And they're like, we're going to go do man things. And like, Josh, what Circle do you... in the woods. Uh, like, <laughs> they're like, Josh, what do you like to do? Um, I like to read books. Uh, I'm we... in theater. Put on a little theater. <laughs> can we banter theology, please? You know, I mean, like, <laughs> I'll put on a reenactment of pizza this year. <laughs> on the campfire. Right. That would be, that would be, that would change church if like a guy came out dressed like Peter Pan doing a one-man show on a kids retreat. They can just be reasonable about it. They can I mean, just say, they can just say, hey, you know what we like to do? We love to go camping. We love to drink some beer and smoke cigars. We like to talk about stuff. And if that fits you, come do that with us. Right. And that would be a great program, right? That, who does it? Who's going to say no? And I, I say that on purpose because we had a guy who was really into that. And this, and that guy was doing some, some crazy stuff in his life. He's jacked up. I mean, he's had some issues. And then he would call out another dude in our church who's a good father, works hard for his family, uh, has a wife and kids, and he's doing the best he can to be a Jesus follower. He's a little effeminate. He cares a lot about fashion. He cares about what he looks like, and he likes his clothes. And that guy would be like, oh, well, he's, yeah, that's not a man. That's, that's the problem with, the, with yeah, America. Exactly. Today. And right, I'm like, right. no, you're the jacked up one, dude. <laughs> well, and, but he learned all that from that, like, that man camp theology, which I think is producing... Not the greatest. It just ca things. it caters to a ba it caters it's just to not producing a Jesus. It thing. It's no, it caters a, a, a product. It caters just even the, the premise of it is that men are a thing. There's this right. prime this primal maleness, which the scriptures would say, no, no, what you what you were born at is is not good. Your natural inclination is not good. But, I mean, just look at David. So David wrote songs, played the harp. He also was like, hey, I want to marry your daughter. And Saul's like, hey, I need some foreskins. He's like, done, dude. Dude, like, I'm going like, to get 100 more than you asked yeah. for. Because I like just, just, just imagine that and walking in like, boom, drop the mic. I mean, I just told a story about it. And we talked about using Goliath's foreskin as a cat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> This is what happens when I go to Africa. I go to Africa for two weeks, everything falls apart. <laughs> this is what happens when you go fast. Yes. This Guys, this is the first skull cap was David trying to glide his foreskin. This is what gives me anxiety in this. That's why, that's why I stress, eat, and drink. I don't know what people are going to say. We have on a regular... Uh, hey, no, that's what I was going to say. If you want more original thoughts, do you drink? 
Um, <laughs> because I feel like some of the best thoughts have been were like, oh, dude, you should. Because there was one time where, uh, where uh, one of our f- favorite stories is when we first started. I was like, it was a Saturday night. We were all, uh, one of, somebody was playing a, uh, a band. band. Oh, your My band, band was playing yeah. on a Saturday night real late. And we're drinking a little bit, and I was like, I gotta preach in the morning. And I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna end it. And we're like, let's do it right now. I mean, we came with like the best ending for that sermon. <laughs> Jack and Coke. We called it Whiskey good. Wrote This Sermon. Nice. It's true. If we write a book, we're gonna call it Whiskey Plant at This Church. Nice. Yeah, who wouldn't want to read that? So this is a significant part of what we like. But again, whenever we say things like that, I'm not saying you have to involve heavily. We just drink a lot because we like drinking. <laughs> yeah. I actually heard, I don't remember his name. He's it's the best thing ever happened in my marriage. <laughs> well, I was very, very concerned. We got married. That was not a part of what we do. I, I worked at churches where that's not okay. Yeah. The whole time I didn't know, my wife was always like, "Ah, just it'd be great to have a drink." Because we just never did that part of growing up. And then we, you know, we come to Cincinnati, and that 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 falls the way. Oh, it was. And then we're like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> this makes things a little." It was John MacArthur. John MacArthur called out Driscoll and was like. You guys who are drinking to look cool, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And MacArthur's from a tradition that doesn't drink at all. Yeah. And he's like, you guys don't look cool. Like, drink it, like, doing, like, this drinking, and I find, and I just probably, I probably disagree with MacArthur on a lot of things. He's 100% right. If you don't like drinking, don't drink to look cool. <laughs> I just happen to like beer, and so that's a natural extension of my life. It's a false understanding of righteous, righteousness. So I come out of a, a tradition that's like... Baptist, right? Uh, yeah. Every Baptist I know is going out of the way to not say Baptist anymore. Yeah. So, like, they changed well, the word Baptist off the church. Well, I think a cool name for it. Yeah. That, I, I want the that church group. project. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, that does sound cooler. Right, right, right. Well done. Yeah. Did I didn't it. come up with it, though. So, um, the, problem, the problem is it's a false understanding of righteousness. It's a false understanding of, um, of what, what I think the Bible teaches about it versus the need to create rules around it. And sure, people abuse it, but yeah. people abuse every, I mean, so you could, the same argument about alcohol that's been used uh, for a while now, and the, the whole restriction of alcohol in church history happened because other churches were allowing people to drink, and people were like, well, we can't d- differentiate ourselves, so we're not going to dance or drink, right? And so there was just this this decision in that regard. But now, now that you have, like, internet um, gameplay where people can... Uh, stream, you know, them, themselves playing video games live, or you play video games live. It, that's just as addictive as alcohol, right. right? As far as the the people's drive to to play and to be a part of that culture. Yeah. So you're gonna have to start saying like, well, we're the church that doesn't allow video game play right. because it can well, become that's addictive. Starting. That's certain too. Oh, it is. I've not heard that. We all but... pick and choose. Like my favorite example is one of the best arguments I've ever heard for why you, you know, especially as Christians, would not participate in porn especially online porn, is because that industry destroys people, destroys the image of God, destroys human beings. Like the people wrapped up in the industry, the women and men, their lives are torn apart and you're paying for that. And you're giving to an and man, no one would disagree with that. You say that on Sunday, mm-hmm, that's right, I shouldn't do it. That's right. okay, man, that's a good point. If you said the same thing right now about NFL football, <laughs> well, <laughs> damn, I'm still going to watch it. Yeah. But it's the same premise. Yeah. If, if what studies are showing to be true is true, uh, we're all going to pick and choose. Yeah. yeah, I won't go that far, but I'll go with the porn because we all know in our heads that our culture set that up to be a bad thing. But in NFL, that's how it can well, ever people, be bad. Like, people don't get that. Like, the, the most theological... The best treatises. Yes, I never say that. But. The best treatises on these sort of vices come from people who really struggle with them, right? So, sure, so Augustine sure. is a man whore in the fourth century. Sleeps with everything. When he becomes a Christian, he's like, "Well, I can't do that." 
knows he has no discipline self-control, so he goes the opposite direction to the nth degree and says, sex for procreation only, never for enjoyment because I can't handle it. Right. Man, that's a great line for you. Like, we should all stand up and applaud Augustine's complete celibacy as a self-discipline and a self-denial. He said, my walk with Jesus is more important than the pleasure I get from this, and I will deny myself all of it. And that should, that should be a base rock Christianity. I should self-deny all the time. That doesn't mean that the rest of us are called to celibacy or to those kind of things, right? It, and but what happened is that shoved the sexual ethics conversation so far to this nth degree, especially in the Catholic Church. And obviously it's so brilliant and prolific, it becomes the norm. Right. When you, and then it takes a thousand years for the church to say, whoa, 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 we can, we can do this in a healthy way, guys. We can, we can have a reasonable, whoa, whoa, whoa. reasonable and healthy marriages and those kind of things, right? <laughs> the same thing with alcohol. We can step and say, oh, man, I can go out and have a couple beers and not be drunk. Right? I can go out and have a couple beers. I can yeah. handle my alcohol reasonably. And that's culturally, too, because Cincinnati has become such a beer culture and social yeah, drinking, so- whereas my, my Baptist brother-in-law... Hit and when he used to drink all the time, and you would go to the bar to to just get trashed as fast as you can, blackout drunk, and crazy things happen. And so when he thinks go get a drink, he can't differentiate for that. But when I'm like, do we have like board game places where you play board games with friends and have a couple beers? Like that when he starts hearing that, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I have so interpreted I moved, this in a different way. I moved to Cincinnati from uh, the the deep south. I always joke people are like, oh, you're you're from Kentucky? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm from the deep south. We were in. I'm actually. Uh, we moved from Houston, so, um, but like I move out of this culture where that that legitimately is the picture that is right. painted. Yeah, um, and it's not and, untrue. And, for them. and I've got I've got friends back back home that drink. Uh, I got family members who drink. Uh, but that was the picture. Like, it people who enjoy drinking, it they're they're stuck in dive bars, getting so drunk and disregarding their family and lives. Right. right? Um, and we move up to Cincinnati, and one of the things that was crazy for us is that we'd meet people and be like, hey, we should have grabbed dinner together, or you guys should come over. And they're like, well, what kind of wine do you want us to bring? And I'm like, uh, the, the red kind? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, but the culture here is completely different. Uh, and so that is, that's been a healthy um, culture shock for me, mm-hmm. that like the perception of what it is versus like and i would say a juvenile perception like a high school perception right. all the bad kids drink yeah. and go to parties right. versus a yeah people go and play board games and have a glass of wine or yeah people sit and watch movies and sip on uh scotch i mean whatever it may be like there there are right. there are just as many people who do it in a healthy way i got friends who um love Jesus and they have great conversations about Jesus with people in bars and part of it is that's a safe space for the other person right if they invited them to one of our small groups or invited them to church like I don't know if I can come to that but hey let's you know let's yeah. meet let's meet in pleasant do you have to sign a did you have to sign an abstinence party as part of your agreement with because um, all that that's oh with church project no no, okay. no, no, no 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 you our church project I'm trying to think of how to say this because I'm on a podcast I don't know if you guys are going to tag me um <laughs> Uh, probably, Speaking of man camp. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, Church Project doesn't. Um, I'm a part of another network. That does. But but now it's odd. Orchard? Uh, what? Orchard? No, 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 no. no. Um, the North American Mission Board. Um, mm. But I'm technically not under them anymore because it's like my time has passed. Mm. Uh, but I never signed anything. They'll yeah. say that I did. I can't find the documentation. I was uh. asked at the point <laughs> if I had, and I hadn't. Um, but... 
church project does not become, yeah. and like it's on our website like we believe it's a gift but that it can be abused and it should be sure. taken care of and I will say uh, probably don't tag me not because my family would care about this oh, stuff oh you're not like, the first person but like no I've got people from back home yeah no uh, I get it so so funny story I, I'm i doing bus stop and I, I make a joke I love it. right I, I make a joke on social media and I don't even remember what the joke was about oh I think it was a joke about how I was I had this fight scene and the director was like you look really effeminate you're obviously were a dancer back in the day <laughs> Which is true, but I uh, that that happened, and I put a, a joke on Facebook about how I've, I've, I'm a fruity fighter, and like I had all these like secret Facebook messages from pastor friends of mine. You're like, you can't put that stuff on Facebook. Like people are gonna people are gonna take that the wrong way. I'm like that. I'm not a strong fighter. Like what does that mean? Is it, so, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm detoxing a lot of my my soul's detoxed a lot mm-hmm. over the past few years. Yeah. Just with you know where do i really stand who who am i as as a believer who am i as a pastor that's why i think when i met you i, I keep telling people like i'm not a good pastor like i just fake this stuff i have no idea what i'm doing None of us are. um right Nobody, but, good at but there's beauty in being honest about well, that, that goes to the i like jason has this read uh from tfa what was it what oh was like saying? the imposter the imposter theory so tina fey was talking about in her books writing about how when she was writing for Saturday Night Live, when she was doing her Sarah Palin impression, when she was big, yeah, she's like, every writer's meeting we had, every time I would, I would in the back of my mind, screaming, you're a fake and an imposter and everybody's going to find out. Everybody's going to find out that you suck at this job. You're going to be exposed. And then come to find out that there's, in this in sort of psychology, there's this larger idea of the idea of the, the fear of the, the imposter that especially qualified people, especially people who are good at what they do, because the people that are best at what they do tend to live at the edge of that field that they know they're faking it. They know they know they're making it up as they go. And so there's everybody else puts on the image of look how well put together I am where in your brain you're like, I'm not well put together, but all these people really are. It's Instagram, right? Yeah. I mean, but to even define what, what a pastor is that, that can't be a, a definition in a seminary class because right. a lot of it is determined by the culture that you live in, the personality of the of the individual, um, the and people that are around you, the people that are around the you. People God right? sends to your like, church. But how how ridiculous is it though that we contextualize missions, right? So we go to foreign countries and we contextualize yeah. there, but we don't contextualize the United States. So we expect to like in church planning world, you expect to drop a church that's cookie cutter from somewhere else into Cincinnati, and it has to work. Right. Whereas everywhere else we contextualize in missions, but a lot of these mission organizations, especially in church planning, won't let you contextualize. So, right. that, so you move to Cincinnati that is that has a, a a drinking culture. They're like, ah, reject that. Where like when we told people originally, like, yeah, we don't drink. They looked at us like we were from Westboro. I'm like, no, I that's not <laughs> yeah. me. I, would, that I is, was actually gonna say that would make it hard because it makes you a funda- it make it's packaged as a fundamentalist. Well, I guess it's like, oh, okay, well, uh, uh, you yeah. got kids, you want to play at the park or something? Right, right. Or, <laughs> Would you like to fly kites? I mean, you know. <laughs> but it, 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 in the idea of contextualizing, N.T. Wright talks about the idea that we, we use words like suitcases and they carry around things. Yeah. One of the things that always gets carried around with not drinking is fundamentalism, yep. right? And yep. fundamentalism then also means hates gays, wants women subjugated, all these other things that go with it. And so 
No, no, no. This word's got to be unpacked. I, I might, in fact, be this and just choose not to drink. And like, there Dude, might the be the next room. one's weed, man. Everyone's. I didn't know. I had no idea. Everyone smokes weed. <laughs> Everyone at church smokes weed. I had no idea. I, never I was did. like, what? And now they all do. It's not legal yet, man. We have one. Um, guy, we have a couple friends. That that's actually that's gonna be my wife's like gigantic. Like this isn't illegal. This isn't legal. And everybody assumes that I smoke weed all the time, and I don't. Can't I afford sh- it. It doesn't. It's not appealing to me. It doesn't smell good. I took my son to a Metallica concert this year. He's like, what's that? Like, uh, that's, that's the bathroom stuff. We canoe a bunch. And, I mean, Cincinnati and canoeing in the kayak scene is just younger, young adults, college-age kids, having a good time, drinking a lot, and smoking lots of weed on the river. That is what it is. It sounds like my and you can never go. I'm sure I say the same group of people. <laughs> they also hey, play. going to take it easy. Could they, also play the di- they also play disc golf. And they, yeah, and they just <laughs> disc golf. Dude, disc golf is, is no. I, 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 I have disc, disc, man. I have disc. Okay, but yeah. Where's it go, But you guys have an immediate advantage because you're not stoned um, out of your mind while you're playing. No, man. The guys who are like fat and giant beards and are stoned off their rocker can throw that disc further than anyone I've ever seen. I'm like. What? Like, watch this, man. <laughs> and they toss it. We have found joints, like, at uh, Disc Tees. Like, Are you serious? Just sitting up there, like, well, one, well, Jeff tried to smoke one <laughs> that he found, and he's like, that's ah, not even weed, it's something else. He's like, yeah, they're playing a good joke be, on you. Be careful about that something else. You, you should not, not do not, that. Now you're addicted to heroin. <laughs> Did you not pay attention in school? Like, that is gross on so many levels. Um, Free drugs. So... Anyways, but uh, I don't know what we were saying. Oh, yeah, weed, but that'll be, I think, the next one where people will be like, oh, because that, that's always in my head, like, been the, like, no. I've got friends but in no, Colorado no, yeah. um, who said that they're like, how do we compete with the churches who are putting up signs now? They're like, hey, come to our Bible study, bring your weed. I mean, like, because it's legal in Colorado. Like, how I do bet you... those are like the best Bible studies. <laughs> Finally, everything's connected, everyone's right. talking. <laughs> yeah, man. I get it, man. That's what exactly what I yeah. agree yeah, with. Yeah, or at least they're not fighting, you know. Like, that is such a good point. I disagree with you, but whatever. Whatever. That's cool, man. And I lose so much weight. <laughs> what you, I thought you'd get, uh, eat too much when you the smoke six, weed. Compared to the six-pack of beer I drink a day? Oh. That's like, 12, that's like 1,200, 1,500 empty calories. I do think that's my That's the biggest thing is I've gotten older with beer. Is like, uh, I need to make sure I don't eat today if I'm going <laughs> to drink tonight because it's so many calories. You are the per- virtue and paragon of health, man. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Zero sleep. That's yeah, what I don't do. sleep. Wow. I don't Stress. sleep. I can't do everything I want to do if I sleep. Uh, true, true. <laughs> There's that. All right. We should probably wrap up. Hey, yeah. dude. Thanks for going. You should check out the church project in Lebanon. Lebanon. Is that how you say it? Lebanon? Or you don't say Lebanon, right? Uh, no, I don't say that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> That's a foreign country. I know. <laughs> Lebanon uh, on Sundays at... 1045. 1045. Hey, late we, church. We used to meet at 1030. Well, we moved to 1045 so people could make it on time. And they, they still show up, show up oh, late. Yeah. They, 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 people at our church, function. 10 o'clock, it's empty at 1025. It's like, oh, man, people show oh, up today. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea. Um, and what's your website? www.churchprojectcincy with a Y dot org. Org. Hey, thanks a lot. And I now think we're, it's dot org. We're going to have our band play.